Thank you very much. The title of the lesson this morning is Hebron. And if you're not familiar with that, hopefully by the time we get through this lesson this morning, you will be familiar with that, taken from Joshua. We'll take a look at Joshua, and then we'll take a look at Numbers and various passages in the Old Testament. So, the story of Caleb is what we want to give consideration to this morning. He was a Kenizzite, and he was promised Hebron, and he is an example of faith. So I want us to give consideration to that this morning. Three points we'll take a look at. Give me the promise of God. Forty-five years ago, and being dead still speaks. So I'll pull that first point up there. Give me the promise of God. So what I'd like for us to do this morning, I've got some pieces of history that I want us to kind of... Uh, put together and I think once we put these pieces together then you'll see the picture and what's recorded here about Caleb and the benefits uh, of that being recorded for us. Recently, Wednesday evening, we just finished the book of 2nd Chronicles and once you go through the book of 2nd Chronicles in the Old Testament, you've pretty much covered the history of God's people uh, almost <laughs> through the Old Testament there. And so on Wednesday evening, what I did was I kind of put up a brief kind of timeline that stretched all the way from Mount Sinai, where they first entered into that covenant relationship with God, and then 536 B.C. approximately, when they were carried away into Babylonian captivity. So if you look at the numbers, approximately when they were given the covenant at Sinai, and then you look at where they were carried away from the land into Babylonian captivity, it's right at a thousand years. It's a millennium. God dealing with his people. And it's an amazing story that is contained there on the pages of the Old Testament. It's faith building. It's inspirational. It's colorful at times. There's no doubt about that. It's dates and it's times and it's places and it's people and it's events. But mostly... It's God. And it's God showing His love, showing His faithfulness to these people that I would have probably said, forget it, it ain't worth it. But God is loving and patient and kind, and He continued to work with them. So, what I want us to do this morning is kind of back up a little bit, and we're going to talk about a time. When the children of Israel had traveled through the wilderness the first time, and they had come to Kadesh Barnea, and that's on the southern edge of the land of Canaan, and they're about to enter into the promised land. One of the main characters there is a man by the name of Caleb. The particular location that we're going to kind of focus in on, though, is a place called Hebron, and that's just inside the promised land. And then, of course, in every story, there's got to be heroes and there's got to be villains. And the villains, in this particular case, there's a couple of them. <laughs> but mostly, it's the Anakim. It's the giants that were in the land. And the challenge is to take that land in spite of the fact that there's giants there. Stop and think about that for a moment. There's something. There's these giants 
that is standing in the way of you having your spot in the promised land. And so what are you going to do about it? Joshua, the 14th chapter. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9 and then skip down and read verse 12. Joshua 14, beginning at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kinzanite, and said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea? I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, concern, or that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden will be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 12. Now therefore... This is Caleb once again. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you have heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. So essentially what Caleb is saying to Joshua. He's saying, remember back 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, when we were sent into the land and we came back and we gave a report. And do you remember what was said to me by Moses on that particular occasion? He said that I was going to have the land where my foot had trod. And the land that he's talking about is within the borders of the promised land. It's a particular area. It's Hebron. So obviously from the context the area of the land that Caleb spied out was in southern Israel, Judah, south of Jerusalem, Hebron. And he said, my brethren, they made the people's heart melt. But I came back and I said, from Numbers 13, we can take this land. I reported, holy, followed the Lord, and he promised me that land where your foot trod, it's going to be yours. And so now, Caleb's saying, I want that land. So Caleb, this is kind of the first piece of the puzzle that I want us to put together. So oftentimes in the Old Testament, when you take a look at names of places and take a look at people's names, they always have a meaning to them, right? Well, it's kind of surprising when you take a look at the name Caleb. His name originally in Hebrew, ready for it? It means dog. And we're kind of like, what? <laughs> because oftentimes we think with the Jews and the way they talked about Gentiles, and they would call them dog. And immediately we've got this kind of negative connotation. It's like, oh my goodness, he was named dog? <laughs> but originally, in Hebrew, 
It also carries with it the idea of faithfulness, devoted, wholehearted. Now let me ask you, have you ever had a dog like that? Have you ever heard it said, a dog is a man's best friend? (laughs) And so now we begin to think of it in a little bit different light. And so that's the light that it should be held in whenever you think about Caleb and you think about dog and you think about all the positive characteristics that go along with a really good dog. (laughs) Faithful and devoted and brave, (laughs) courageous. All of those kind of attributes. That's the character that's being talked about. Even though it originally... It carried with the idea of dog. Now in verse 6, it says that Caleb also was a Kenzanite. And so oftentimes we just kind of read this and we read the story of Joshua and Caleb and we think about the story of the 12 spies and we read that word that he was a Kenzanite and we just keep right on going. We don't stop and think about it much. In fact, oftentimes what we do, and we'll read this in a minute, we go back and we read Numbers 13 because that's the original story where they're going to go spy out the land. And he's listed there as being from the tribe of Judah. But now we follow the whole story. And he was a Kinsonite. So what that is telling us is that there was a point in time in his ancestry that they were not a part of the children of Israel. But somewhere over time, they became associated with God's people. And then Josh or Caleb's family became a part of the tribe of Judah. So they were kind of integrated. They became a part of God's people. So this dog, loyal, faithful, courageous, bold, who was not originally a part of the children of Israel, integrated and became a part of and associated with Judah. Can we see that? Second piece of the puzzle. Now there's Hebron. Hebron is located about 20 miles south of the city of Jerusalem. And the word Hebron means united, joined together, bound by a common bond. And so whenever we stop and think about that, we think Hebron, it's united, it's joined together, it's bound by a common bond. And we think, well, who's it bound to? (laughs) Who's it joined with? Other than it does happen to be within the land of Canaan. But why is it given that name? Of Hebron. And so you have Caleb who has gone and spied out the land and now 
on this particular occasion, he's telling Joshua, I want Hebron. And God had promised me I would have Hebron. Isn't that kind of interesting? God wants him to have Hebron, this part of the land that is recognized, united, joined together, some kind of common bond. And I want Caleb to have it. Let me give you this other little note of interest in regards to Hebron. Today, 21st century, Hebron's still there. Do you know that Hebron is recognized by the Jews as the second most holy site in all of Israel? Hebron. So let me give you this little illustration. About 90 to 100 miles north of here, there's that small town, you've heard me talk about it before, where I lived as a young boy, just I was about 12 and then we moved away, but got a lot of relatives and so forth that live up in that area. On the northwest side of that little town, there's an elevated area, kind of a hill. It's called High Ridge. It's been a cemetery as long as I can remember. My parents are there. My sister is there. My sister-in-law is there. I've got aunts and uncles and cousins that are there. I got friends that are there. I've got neighbors from when we lived in that area that are there. I've got fellow Christians that I've known from up in that area that are there. I've conducted more funerals than I care to think about there. But it sits kind of on this elevated hill. It's called High Ridge. And there's been more than one occasion that after a service has concluded and everybody's kind of left, <laughs> I've stood there and I've looked around. And if you look off to the west, it's the Missouri rolling hills, right? <laughs> and it's kind of pasture and there's cattle and there's a couple of farmhouses that kind of spot the landscape out there. It's beautiful. You look to the north and that's all cornfields. You turn to the east and you can see some of the towns that make up part of that small town. And then you turn south and you see the main part of the town. And it's got churches and gas stations and grocery stores and all that kind of thing. But when you stand out there on High Ridge, it's beautiful. Join together some kind of common bond. Can you sit now? Hebron. United. Joined together. Common bond. And God says, I want Caleb to have Hebron. In Joshua, the 14th chapter, 
in verses 13 and 14. It says, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. <coughs> Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinsonite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. It was given to Caleb. Now let me tell you just a little bit more about Hebron. Genesis the 13th chapter. Do you remember when Abraham or Abram at that time and Lot traveled together? And their herds and their flocks grew to such a number. God had blessed them. That eventually said Abraham said, you choose, Lot, which way you want to go. You want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. You want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. But we can't continue any longer because the land's not going to sustain both of us together. And so we've got to separate. And so Lot chose. And the direction that he chose, that Abraham went in the other direction. And so Abraham traveled, and then God appeared to him. And he was standing on this kind of elevated spot. See where I'm going with this? And God says, you look around. You look north, you look south, you look east, you look west. I'm giving this to you and to yours for an inheritance. Genesis 13 and verse 18. Hebron. That's where Abraham stood. Hebron. So Hebron, or, so Abraham journeyed there. For a good period of time. At that particular time, the Hittites owned it. His wife, Sarah, she died. And so Abraham said, I have got to have a place to bury my wife. And so he went to one of the leaders of the Hittites and he said, I want to buy this land. And Abraham was well respected by them and they said, we'll give it to you. We'll just give it to you. You pick what you want. We'll just give it to you. Abraham had his choice what he wanted. And he said, no. He said, I'll buy it. I want to pay for this. I'm not taking it for free. I'm going to buy it. So they allowed him to do that. And he bought that plot of land. And there he buried his wife. But Abraham continued there for a while. Until Genesis 25. And Abraham died. And guess where he was buried? Hebron. And then he had a son prior to his death. <laughs> several years. By the name of Isaac. And Isaac had a wife, Rebekah. And then there was a son, Jacob. And he had a wife, Leah. Guess where they're all buried? Hebron. Second most holy place in all Israel, according to the Jews, Hebron. They call it the tomb of the patriarchs. But they don't control it. 
the Palestinians control it. And the Muslims, they call it the sanctuary of Abraham. Stop and think about that. Why would they not call it the patriarchs? The tomb of the patriarchs. Because their lineage, they don't acknowledge, goes through Isaac. Their lineage goes through Ishmael. So they just say, it's the sanctuary of Abraham. Because they claim him as father also. But the Jews, this is the cave, this is the tomb of the patriarchs. And to them, second most holy place in all of Israel. But in Joshua the 14th chapter, verse 9, 12, and verse 13, it had been promised to Caleb. In Joshua the 20th chapter, about verses 1 through 7, Hebron became one of the cities of refuge after they conquered the land. In 2 Samuel, the second chapter, do you remember we studied this? When David became king and he asked God, where should I go? Where did God tell him? Go to Hebron. And he was king there for seven and a half years before they finally conquered Jerusalem and then he moved the capital there. Hebron. So Caleb, This dog, faithful, wholehearted, brave, devoted, adopted into the tribe of Judah. He says, the Anakim are there, but I want that mountain. It's more like a hill, but translation says (laughs) mountain. Do I have to fight for it? I want it. This dog will fight for his spot in the promised land. Can we see that? He said, God with me, I'm going. I'll take on those giants. Kind of one of those ironies, isn't it? As you follow the story of God's people, as you follow the story of God, how God's grace touches people, those on the outside made to be on the inside, to made to be part of one of his own, and he gives Caleb, I want you to have Hebron. So, 45 years ago, Joshua, the 14th chapter, and verses 7 through 10. I'm going to read it again. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me 
made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. He said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. See what that adds up to? See, there was Kadesh Barnea, and that's where God sent us. Remember Joshua, when Moses told us to go and spy out the land? I was 40 years old then, Joshua. But you remember what happened? The rest of my brothers made the people's heart to melt. So we wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Remember that, Joshua? (laughs) And now I'm 85. Wait a minute, that doesn't add up. 40 and 40 is... You know what he's saying? It's been five years we've been conquering this land. (laughs) That's what he's saying. And so now it's come down to that point in time. I remember the promise that was made to me way back then. And now I'm asking you, Joshua, I want my inheritance. Give me that mountain. And he knows those giants are there. But he said, I'm 85 years old. I'll take it. So Joshua, Joshua gave it to him. So I want to read to you now from Numbers, the 13th chapter. Go back to that original occasion. Numbers, the 13th chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. What did he just say? I want you to send a man from each tribe. Well, which man shall we see? send? You send a leader. That's who you send. Verse 3. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them, men who were heads of the children of Israel. You know what that says? You decide. You pick. I want leaders. I want the heads. I want the cream of the crop to go and spy out the land that flows with milk and honey. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to ask you a question. Can you name those 12 spies? Can you name two of them? And which two can you name? Joshua and Caleb. Now, let me read this. Shamua, Shaphat, Ilgal, Palti, Gadil, Gadai, Amil, Shether, Nebai, Juil. 
Remember those names? Well, guess what? History doesn't really remember me. And they're not honored. That's the rest of the names. That's the other ten. And nobody knows them. They went in. They spied out the land. And do you remember when they carried back grapes on a pole because they were so large they carried it between two? Forty days. They were in the promised land. And then they came back. They were in there. They saw it. They tasted it. And then they gave it up. And they said, I won't fight for that. So the two that we remember are Joshua and Caleb. One of them became the leader of the entire nation. And the other had been grafted in. And he was dog-determined. He was going to have his spot in the promised land. So in Numbers, the 13th chapter, they all come back. And Joshua and Caleb, they said, we can do it. We can take this land. And the other 10, they said, no, no, we can't. We can't. We can't do this. Fortified cities. The land devours the people. There's giants in the land. We can't take this. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We're not able. Now what does that say when they say we're not able? Does that really say that they can't? Or maybe it's this. It shows they're not worthy. Hebron. Who's buried there? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebecca, Leah, Sarah. The faithful are buried in that land. So when they say we're not able, doesn't mean they can't or they're just not worthy of it. They're not really connected to Hebron, are they? So you stop and you think about that and you think 40 days in the promised land. And then I'll ask you, were they kicked out? No, they weren't kicked out. They walked out. And as the ages roll by and eternity rolls by, you were in the promised land. Yeah. You saw the promised land. Yeah. You tasted the promised land. And then what happened? I walked out. So in Numbers, the 14th chapter, in verses 1 through 3, 
it says that they went when they came back that the people listened to the ten and not to Joshua and Caleb. And it said they cried all night long and they said things like, oh, wait, if we had just died back in the wilderness or if we had just died back in Egypt, let's get a new leader and let's have him lead us back to Egypt. So eventually God said, that's it. (laughs) You're not going there. And the life you choose to live outside the promised land, that's the life you'll live. And so as we think about that, ten people, ten people convinced over a million plus, we can't do it. And they listened to those ten. And they died in that wilderness. Two said we can't take it. And Caleb said that he was 40 years old when they came back from spying out the land. And then they spent five years fighting for that land. And at 85, he says, give me this mountain that was promised to me 45 years ago. So you stop and think about that. He was 40 years old, 40 years in the wilderness, five years fighting for this land. The very first city they took, you remember which one it was? It was Jericho. And do you know what the fighting age in Israel was? 20 years old and upwards. Now I want you to just kind of get a visual of that. Here's a bunch of 20-year-old guys. They're all ready to go. And then here comes this old man. (laughs) Gray-headed. 80 plus. And he's not in the back of the pack. He's leading the charge. Let's go get it. What bound him? What bound him to that land? Why did God give him Hebron? It was his faith that bound him to that land. So Caleb, being dead, he still speaks. Hebrews 11th chapter, that great hall of fame of faith that we oftentimes talk about. It speaks about Abel and it says, he being dead yet speaks. And what the Hebrew writer is telling us is these all live that kind of life of faith. And in that chapter, it tells us about all the things they did for God because of their faith. And so Caleb, he was faithful at Kadesh Barnea. Forty plus some years later, he's still faithful as he says, I want Hebron. And so in essence, what he is saying is, you don't live in the past. Whether it's good or bad. There was a time in his past when his family was not associated with God's people. But that didn't keep him from becoming associated with God's people. And once he became associated with God's people and he was faithful at Kadesh Barnea, he just didn't say, well, okay, I was faithful back then, so just give me my spot in the promised land and 
I don't need to do anything else. So 45 years later, he's still fighting for it. Philippians, the third chapter. Remember what Paul said? Forgetting those things behind and pressing forward to those things that are ahead. Long before Paul ever penned those words, Caleb was already living those words. You know, recently as we concluded Second Chronicles, and we talked about Jeremiah because Jeremiah was the prophet that was the prophet that was in Jerusalem when it fell to Babylon. And God said he was going to punish them because of their unfaithfulness. But do you remember what he said in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11? I know the plans that I have for you for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. God held out a promise to him. This is what God wants to do. So what, John, or what Caleb had a chance to do, he had a chance to choose between faith and sight. All the other ten saw was the challenges and the giants. And it kept him out of the promised land. And Caleb, he saw God. And he said, God be with me. I'm ready to go. If the Anakim are there, I'll still fight for this because I know he'll give it to me. So challenges come. Jesus never promised that it would be easy. And Paul also penned in Galatians to the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so we face giants, we face challenges, we face all kinds of obstacles. But the question is, Will you fight for your spot in the promised land? And if God sees you're willing, He'll give you that spot. Because through faith in Him, just like them, we're promised the victory. So Caleb was bound by faith with those others that were there. In the promised land. Hebron. United. Joined together. I extend the invitation now. To any and all that are here this morning. And if you've never rendered obedience. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus that said. He that believes and is baptized. Shall be saved. If we can help you in any way. You let us know. While together we stand. While we sing.